Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And when you get there, I want you to look at me. Matthew chapter 4. If you need a Bible, there's a red one in front of you. Go ahead and take that. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, you can have that one. And uh, we believe uh, that's where you're going to learn about honey in the rock. And uh, Ella was singing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Power in the blood. And I praise God for it. If you are going back to school this fall, if you're a school teacher, an educator, on staff or retired in education, stand up. Rhett, you're not going back to school this year? Students also. If you're a student going back to school, okay? All right, stand up for a minute. Okay, we have a number of teachers and folks that are in education in the church, and, and I, I praise the Lord for you. Uh, homeschool, private school, stand with us, okay? Okay, listen to me. We're talking, you heard from missionaries this morning, that how God uses people. And God wants to use you wherever you're at. He wants to use you for his glory. You're getting ready to go back to school. You kids are thinking, oh man, another year of school. Hey, enjoy the ride because it will be quick. Okay? Enjoy it. Go back to school and, and love your teacher and pray for her. Invite your friends to come be in church with you. Okay, you college kids. Some of you are going to Christian schools. I want to tell you a, a sobering thought. Not everybody you meet at a Christian school will act like a Christian. You live for Jesus. You teachers, hey, you retirees, thank you for serving. You teachers that are doing it right now, God has got you there for his glory. And we pray you have a great year. We're going to bless the teachers, aren't we, Stephanie, again this year. But whatever school district you're in, we praise the Lord for you. Cody, we're proud of you. We're glad you're here. God's going to use you for his glory. And Father, as I look at these kids and look at these folks in education, thank you. Thank you. And Lord, our kids both are teachers. Some days are easy and some days they want to quit. So we get it. I pray for safety this year in schools. And God, I pray that these, these Christians in the public square would be light. I pray for those that are homeschooling, God, that you'd give them strength and what they need. It's not easy. So we give you the year before us. We, we, we give you the year right in front of us. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Now I wanna ask a question or, or maybe challenge all of us today. How about if we all get back to school? What do you mean, Brother Greg? How about if we all enroll this morning in Followology 101? The study of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at this in Matthew chapter 4 in one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's where Jesus begins to collect this group of misfits to be his disciples to take the gospel to the world. But before they could take the gospel to the world, they had to decide they would be a follower 
of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I had the privilege to preach the funeral service for my 59-year-old cousin, Roger, in Nicholasville, Kentucky, just outside of Lexington, the heart of Big Blue Nation. And Roger grew up in Tennessee and was a lifelong Tennessee volunteer fan and continued to be. Every time you would see him, he would have a Tennessee ball cap on, a shirt. He was always wearing the orange. So at his memorial service, they requested that family and friends wear outfits from their favorite ball teams. And yesterday, the funeral home was packed with orange, like you've never seen. His coworkers wore Tennessee t-shirts with his name on the back of it. My cousin Roger was a fan of Tennessee. And just as I shared with them yesterday, I share with you today, Jesus Christ is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. Not popular when it's easy. All in. And before these disciples could make a difference, they had to make a decision. And that was that they would follow Christ. If you look at verse 18, chapter 4, if you're with me, say amen. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. Remember, the Sea of Galilee was really a central point of ministry for Jesus. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, circle the word immediately, left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. They were mending their nets. They were getting ready for the next day. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Before we look at Followology 101, let's do a little backtrack. Because Jesus was constantly explaining his mission on earth and why he was here. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man, verse 10, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, I want to remind the church and remind our guest that if we're lost, there must be some place we're supposed to be. I told you once about mowing the churchyard, and I was out on 725 side. A car stopped and said, can you tell me where downtown is? I said, you just came through it. Okay? See, you don't, if, you, if you, don't, you don't know you're lost if you don't know you're supposed to be somewhere. I mean, you can get in a vehicle and just drive around and, and say, I'm not lost. But if you're on your way to a destination and you, and you can't find your way there, you recognize you're lost. Truck drivers, you ever get there, Grant? Do you ever get lost? You don't tell anybody you're lost, okay? You know, uh, you remember back when uh, GPSs first came out and everybody got one to mount on the dash of their car? You all know what I'm talking about? Now your watch probably does more than that did. But you got one to mount. We did it. Got one, can't, can't wait to have one. It, it, they were like pagers back in the day. Had that GPS on your dash, 
and they made a mistake right at the beginning of designing those and putting a, a software into them. And the mistake was for truck drivers. A lot of truck drivers were being routed through neighborhoods. And they realized for a while they couldn't trust the GPS. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. These principles today come from a fellow named John Cramp. He wrote two books. The first book was called Out of Their Faces and Into Their Shoes. It wasn't about followology, listen to me. It was about lostology. What the study of lostness can teach us about people who don't know Christ. He said, you got to get out of their face. You got to build a relationship and get into their shoes. So that was lostology. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. He used simple stories. He talked about a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. And, and we read those and we could just see it visually with our minds and he would help us connect the spiritual truth to it. That was lostology. And through those pictures, Jesus helped us see the value the Father places on those that are lost. So understand something. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you're lost. And I'm going to tell you what that doesn't mean, Christian. It doesn't mean you're any better than anybody. It doesn't mean that I'm any more righteous than anybody. I'm not going to heaven because I think I'm a good man. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm going to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for my sinful soul. He did the same thing for you. There's nobody here he loves any more than anybody else, and there's no one in the building he loves any less than anybody else. And man, we're so prone to judge people, aren't we? We judge people by the way they look, like, like the look they make. He kind of scrowled. Well, he might have an itch somewhere that I don't even know about. And we don't even know anything about people. And we make prejudgments about, about how they are and, and who they are. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, God, the last few weeks has interrupted our schedule to the point where, listen, you're either going to worship me or you're going to worship technology. I even forgot to put my watch back on. We're going to be here a while. No, we're not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, men. I'm kidding you men. Some of you men have already, oh, oh, man. What's he saying? So he talks about lostology, okay? So when you're lost, there's some place you're supposed to be. And that place you're supposed to be is in a relationship with God. And when you decide, like these who say they follow Jesus immediately, when you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to discover the purpose for your life. There's more to getting up and working hard all week and making the big bucks, taking a day or two off, hopefully, turning around Monday morning, do the same thing over and over for 30 years. There's more to life than that. And God has a great plan for all of you. So just as we heard from Kevin and Sue today, missionaries, man, I want to thank you as a church for, for how you got all in behind taking the supplies to East Tennessee. Uh, so I, we, we put the picture online. Uh, some of you have seen the picture of the pastor's house we helped. We have it. Maybe we'll show it to you next week. But uh, over four feet of water taken on top of a roof from a neighbor's house. You see the pastor we helped. So, last, uh, so Monday we sent a check for $2,500 along with 
the bread Sunday offering that this church gave last week of another $1,020. And here's what he told me to tell you today. He said, you tell the church, thank you for your generosity. And folks, it's a small church. It's a little free will Baptist church. What does that mean, Brother Greg? He probably shouts when he preaches. People may get up and run around. Who can, hey, amen, we preach in the same gospel. Jesus is the only way. And when we get to heaven, don't be looking for the Southern Baptist wing. It's not going to be there. Only believers in Jesus Christ. So let's not play church anymore. Let's get right with God and enroll in Followology 101. But just like these missionaries went to Tennessee, and just like you missionaries help bring water and supplies, and many of you help load and unload, there are people doing it all over the place. We have a very special guest here today. His name is Peyton Kramer, and I'm gonna ask him to come stand with me. This will be yellow. Peyton looks a little different than he did the last picture I saw because he was serving uh, out of the country. Can you tell us where? Are you allowed to tell us where? Yeah, I should be good. Okay. Uh, I was serving in Pakistan. Pakistan. How, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. 20 years old. Hold that up tight. Okay. Um, so you're Joe and Sharon's grandson. And is this your sister here beside you? Yeah, it's my sister. Okay, and you all live in Missouri? Yeah. Okay, where dad is on, in ministry. Yeah, okay, Jason, the mom. And how long have you, do you know, how long have you been in uh, Missouri? That's a good question. I think since like 2011. Okay, all right. Some of us remember when they were here, and, uh, and God has called uniquely you to do some things that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Yeah. So you went to Pakistan. So since you've been there, that must be the real way to say it, right? Uh, yeah, Pakistan. Okay. So, uh, in Southwest Ohio, we say, Pac we've been to Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, North American missionaries, local missionaries, what, what, how did you know God was calling you to do something in another country? Uh, well, I didn't exactly. That's, that's the funny thing, you know. Uh, so, I grew up in a, in a Christian home by God's grace, and I didn't come to faith until like later on in high school. And during that time, the Lord just burdened my heart for the lost, not just like the mission field or anything like that. And so from that point on, like just being faithful to pursue the Lord in uh, like what he calls us to do in Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so whether that was here at home or I got the opportunity to go overseas, and so I, I went ahead and took it, and so. All right. Um, were you ever afraid? Uh, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes there were uh, moments of, like, just uncertainty of, um, man, am I going to have enough finances to make it overseas? Uh, or when I am overseas, the people that I'm sharing with, are they going to be hostile to what I have to share? Okay. Were you involved in some Muslim ministry? Yeah, uh, I would say about 90% of the people in this country claim to follow Islam. Okay. So. I noticed a picture I saw of you, uh, full beard, <laughs> big beard. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, probably culture, blending into culture. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Um, so culturally, most of the men there like grow out their their beards and their hair, and then they wear uh, this cultural garb, this cultural garb called a shawar kameez. So it's like this. Um, it's like you just throw a sheet over top of you, basically. Um, okay. And so it was helpful to blend in because most of us. Uh, Lighter skin look kind of like Afghanis. So. Okay, good, good. Um, how important was your prayer life as a missionary? Uh, it's, it's probably one of the most important things. Um, yeah, the Lord has taught me a lot on depending on him in every circumstance with, uh, um, yeah, just being able to share. When I went overseas, I couldn't speak the language as well as the other guys on my team. And because of that, I could really only share the gospel with people who spoke English. And that was a, that was a real challenge. And towards the end of our trip, we had a challenge of sharing the gospel every day for 30 days with at least someone new. And that was really, really hard for me, especially because I couldn't speak the language as well. And so every day I was in prayer, like, Lord, Give me someone who, who can understand the words that I have to say to them and give them ears to listen to this good news. And so that became like a big prayer for me. And then also, as my time overseas, like one of the things I have recognized is that the Lord uses broken vessels to, to share this good news. Uh, scripture like calls it like we're this jars, jars of clay. Paul says that. Yeah. We're like jars of clays with this message. And so just praying each day that, one, the Lord would shape me to be more like him each and every day. So I would pray that according to James 1 of like, Lord, give me wisdom. And then uh, I would also pray like, Lord, help me to love others according to like 1 Corinthians 13. And as I began to read that, I began to notice like, how God loves to give good things to those who are following him, those who are seeking him first. And so instead of becoming more of like asking, it became more of like, I'm claiming this gift because I'm now, I'm your child, I'm your son, and you love to give good things. Like a, a good father, whenever his son asks for a fish or a piece of bread, doesn't give him a snake or a stone, but rather he gives him what his needs are. How much more does our heavenly father give us? And so as I would, as I would pray, I became, I began to recognize that it's more of claiming this gift, these gifts from the Lord. So uh, prayer is uh, by far one of the most important things and a very good gift that the Lord has given us. Uh, Even James talks about it uh, in James 5, like if if any one of you is like suffering, uh, you should pray. Uh, Is anyone among you cheerful, he should sing praises. Uh, is anyone among you sick? Uh, he should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him. So. Amen. Amen. Well, you've got two here that love you with all their heart and are proud of you. You know, I remember something you said to me before you were called to ministry. You probably don't remember this. It's been a while. I was at the gas station in Eaton and I heard somebody say, from a car. Hey, Brother Greg, you gonna pay for that gas? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was you. Anyway, anyway, yeah. we're, hey, 
We're proud of you. Uh, you are uh, connected with, with uh, Midwestern Seminary? Yeah, I am. Okay. And uh, Jason Allen is a good one. Yes, he's really good. And we're proud of you and thank God for you. And, and I know God's using you in a great way. Do you feel, do you feel like ministry is the direction you're going? Uh, I feel like serving the Lord is more the direction I'm going. I, I don't know what it entails. Like, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. And yeah. so uh, I don't know if the Lord is calling me to uh, do missions uh, or to stay here and probably, like, work, like, maybe a job and serve him through that as well. Right. But what I do know is that I'm going to try to make missions as my default. I, I learned this from a missionary uh, overseas, but he, he told me that uh, you should always make missions your default because you don't know what the Lord has in store for you. And there are so many people who have not heard this good news. And how are they going to hear unless someone goes to preach to them? And so I make it my default, and I, and I plan on continuing on to serve in missions, but Amen. I don't know what the Lord has in store for me. And so he may not call me to that. He may call me to stay here and to uh, maybe work a job and just share with people in a workplace or something. But whatever it is, I know that the Lord's sovereign, and if he wants me here, he'll shut the door there, and he'll open a door somewhere else. Amen. But my encouragement for you is that uh, you should make missions your default as well because there are so many people around the world who are not hearing this good news. And how are they going to hear unless someone goes to preach this good news to them? So make it your default. And if the Lord is truly calling you there or calling you to go overseas, like he will open that door for you to go. But if he's not, then trust him in that and recognize that he has called you here. Amen, amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, we love your family. Tell your mom and dad hello for us. Let's, let's show appreciation for him being here. Yeah. God bless you, Peyton. You. Proud of you. Amen. That goes hand in hand. I like that. Write that down somewhere. Make missions my default. Because I tell you, I believe missions and evangelism go hand in hand. I don't believe it's one or the other. When you're serving, you earn the right to share. And oftentimes, as you share, you're serving. And we're going to have an opportunity to serve together as a church the weekend of October 7th and 8th. It's called Serve Dayton. And we're going to be working alongside a very small Southern Baptist church called Woodland Hills Baptist Church right in the heart of Northridge. You'll say, why there, Brother Greg? It's where I was raised, where Renee was raised. It's where Terry and Cindy Essex, who are going to lead us in this ministry, are from. So uh, it's, uh, it's in a very... Uh, um, low-income area, and we believe it's going to be an opportunity for us to make an impact with others to just share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So see, when you give your life to Christ, you're lost and you're found. But Jesus chooses to call us to follow him. So we're not talking about being a fan. We're not talking about just when life is good. We're talking about stepping in and surrendering our lives to the one who Peyton mentioned is sovereign and knows everything in front of us and how to get us there and how to get us through it. And that's the God that we serve. If you have your outline, I'm gonna give you a few things this morning 
I really feel like the message has been preached several different ways. Now, lostology is the study of being lost. It helps us understand God's plan to find us. So if you're here today and you're running from God, listen, he's tracking you down. He's after you. He wants to save you. Lostology helps us understand God's plan to find us. But in followology, we discover why we get found. What's the purpose of being saved? And I tell you, it's far greater than coming to church once a week on Sunday morning. As wonderful as that is. God wants to use us like Peyton mentioned, maybe God wants me to work a secular job and, and that becomes my mission field. He's got a plan for all of us to glorify him. I mean, if God's only goal was to rescue us, he could have zapped us straight to heaven as soon as we were saved. But he didn't. He could have saved us from the pain of this life. But he didn't. So we get found so we can follow so we can follow him. And as we follow him on earth, our life is forever changed because God gives us an opportunity called life. And folks, none of us know how long the window is, how big the window is. He gives us this life to make an impact for him. God isn't interested in us building a little empire on the corner of a small town in Preble County. He's not into that. God is in the business of transforming your life and my life so we take the gospel outside the doors of the church wherever we lead, wherever he leads us this week. Um, you know, new school, going back to school is always a fun, I, I'll remember it's always a fun time for me. And uh, you kids are, are you, you kids today have all of this stuff at your exposure uh, for you to use and, and get and your phones, you know, are better than any computer uh, any of us used in school for computer training. I remember the old IBM cards punching out. <laughs> Where a pair of Levi's and a pair of Converse All-Stars was all a boy needed. The other day, Aiden said, Papa, I think I found the shoes I want. I said, okay, bud, that's good. I, I'm all in. And I said, how much are they? He said, well, they're, they're on sale right now for 120 And I said, I said, you need to talk to Meemaw. So, so things are different than they used to be, but I want to tell you something. Listen to me, teachers, students. Your mission field hasn't changed because you're going to be sitting beside coworkers in the lounge, down the hall, and kids outside at a ball game or whatever. Followology is a study of why we're, why we're found from being lost. And the good news this morning is that anybody can follow. The good news this morning is it's not hard. You'll say, well, what do you mean it's not, it's not hard to follow? I'm not saying life may not be hard. What I'm saying that it's not hard to follow. Jesus made it simple. 
God made it simple to the Israelites. I'll show you a cloud that moves or doesn't move during the day, and I'll show you a fire that does move or doesn't move at night, and when it moves, you move. When it stays, you stay. And that's how the children of Israel were led. Can't you imagine at night, those fathers opening their tent door and looking out to see if the fire was still there, knowing that they could rest, and tomorrow would be another day. Here's another thing about the Christian life. It centers on following. It's the central aspect of surrender. It indicates that Jesus is here, he's active, and he's working. I'm a follower of Christ. You don't say, I have followed Christ. And for many people, your testimony really is only when you gave your life to Christ. Listen, there's much more to it. Uh, a testimony contains three things. Before I became a Christian, when I, be, when I gave my life to Christ, and since I've been a Christian. And the world is looking, I believe, for since I've been a Christian. Why should I want what you have? And I praise the Lord that you and I are works in progress. And we'll never be what God totally wants us to be until we are in his presence for eternity. The Christian life centers on following. Now, Moses had to remind the Israelites from time to time how God had prepared. Remember when we followed him, how he was faithful? Remember how he took care of us? Remember that the our shoes that we wore never wore out in 40 years? God was faithful. Here's another thought. Anyone can follow, not because you're capable, but because God's gracious. Because of his mercy and his grace. You see, spiritually following Christ doesn't depend on us. It hinges on who he is, that he's worthy, that my life has been forever changed, and I'm saved by his grace. That's the good news. Have you ever been lost? I mean physically lost. Have you ever been to the point where it scared you that you're so lost? Uh, years ago, uh, Gary Super led the men on a promise keeper adventure to Detroit, Michigan. Our bus driver got lost. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves, like on, I don't know what side, the worst side of Detroit. Boarded up buildings. A McDonald's that was boarded up. And all of a sudden, the guy's looking around, I don't think we're in the right spot. You know, sometimes you can be lost and not know it right? Two times, uh, my, my granny lived in South Carolina, so we would always go back to her house if we came from the beach. And two straight years, I made a wrong turn and saw a sign that said, welcome to Pedro's south of the border. Two years. Two years making the same wrong turn and receiving the grace of Renee in the passenger seat. Sometimes you can be lost and not know it, okay? Men, when they're lost, drive faster. Women ask for help. Let me give you three principles of following. First of all, there's the need principle, and we're done. Okay, we're done. The need principle, 
It determines our motivation. The choice principle, we have to make a decision. So, Andrew and Peter, when they're called, they had to make a decision. They were in a good career. Everything was being met. The needs were being met. But yet, God was calling. The Israelites in the Old Testament had to make a decision. Pharaoh had released them from bondage and said, go, finally, after the 10th plague. And as they left, Pharaoh began to think, I've given away all our manpower. Go get them. And they come to the edge of the Red Sea, and there's the Red Sea in front of them, and here comes Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit. They had to make a decision. What would they do? And the Bible says they trusted God by faith, and they crossed the Red, listen, dry ground. That makes this story even more of a miracle. Dry ground. And can't you imagine them as they get to the other side and then see the armies hit it and God releases the water? And the Bible says the whole army is killed. They had to make a decision. And then lastly, we have to keep our focus if we're going to follow An initial decision to follow Christ is admirable, but distractions will come. You've got to focus. Focus. Following requires sustained focus in the good and in the bad. So when these guys said yes to Jesus, it was no easy decision and it was no easy life in front of them. Jesus tells them you may not even have a spot to lay your head. He tells them you're going to have to pick up your cross and deny yourself daily. But I'll take care of you. And brothers and sisters, I believe when you enroll in the school of Followology 101, he will take care of his sheep. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And the good news is God's got a big plan for all of us. And those of you who know Christ as your Savior, if he calls you home tomorrow, heaven's going to be your home. For those that may not know Christ yet, the good news is you're still breathing. You have an opportunity to do it. So by the grace of God, you say yes. And I praise him for it. Amen, church? I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.